This is an EM Pulse Heartbeat with your host, Julia Magana. Hi, and welcome to our July 2021 Heartbeat, A Chance for Change. Our last episode explored our own UC Davis Violence Prevention Program, or Wraparound Services. That episode really warmed my heart, and I hope it did yours as well. As long as there are people out there like Ian and Shevest out there making the world a better place, I believe in us. The good news is they are not the only ones out there offering wraparound services for violently injured youth. Believe it or not, they're actually doing this in Canada as well. Dr. Terry Clausen is a professor of pediatrics at the University of Manitoba. He's the director of Trek a key leader in PERC, the Canadian version of PCARN, and from what I can tell, in charge of all pediatric emergency research in Canada. <laughs> Terry helped publish the outcomes of an ED-based violence prevention program, which is the brainchild of Dr. Caroline Snyder. They randomized 130 youth aged 14 to 24 that were seen in the emergency department with violence-related injuries. They were either randomized to one year of violence prevention program or not. They found that this program was not only feasible in the emergency department, but that the intervention reduced repeated violence-related injuries by 10%. It reduced new interactions with the justice system, improved engagement in education, and found no change in repeat visits for substance or mental health. I don't know about you, but I want to hear more. I want to just kind of go over the article that you and Caroline Schneider wrote, The Feasibility and Efficacy of a Hospital-Based Violence Intervention Program on Reducing Repeat Violent Injury in Youth, a Randomized Control Trial. First off, I don't usually think about Canada and violence right. <laughs> and hand-in-hand, but why was this an important topic for us to take on from the emergency department perspective? Well, because it's a significant and important problem, and especially for that, you know, um, older teenager, young adult uh, perspective. I mean, these are the this is the group of kids or young adults who are experiencing violence and being harmed and they're seeking care in our emergency department. So first of all, there is just the disease burden. It exists. It's there. We have, you know, as a clinician, you're going to see it. And if you look at the issue of violence presenting in your emergency department, you can say, well, what can be done about this? Like you can keep doing your high quality trauma resuscitation, taking care of of that, or you can start to ask more fundamental questions. Why are these um, young adults and teenagers arriving in my emergency department? What is the context for this? And then you might notice that if you start to look at the data, they not only come once, but then they repeat in another, and over the year, like, you know, 20% or so will come back uh, a repeat um, victim of, of violence. And then I guess the thinking was, okay, this is happening. Um, let's look at this from an injury prevention point of view. So this can be prevented. And so what are strategies that might be thought of in this context? And there was some evidence that that emergency visit is a time of reflection, perhaps a chance for intervention. So there was previous evidence that indicated that during that visit, maybe there was chance of change or changing the trajectory of these young adults. So based on that, 
we said, okay, what are the things that could lead to this person continuing on in a context that would expose them to future violence and either, you know, at a higher level or coming back to the emergency department? And so we looked at, well, there are some risk factors such as maybe substance use disorder, mental health challenges, unsafe housing. These would be the factors that would predispose. But then there are protective factors like if uh, someone's involved in educational programs that could improve their outcome or if um, someone has safe housing, if someone is having their mental health issues addressed, these would all be things that could be protective. And so we said, well, let's develop an intervention that could be applied when they present. You know, we called it a wraparound intervention where whereby we would look at the protective and the risk factors that this individual had. And then using uh, a support worker who is someone with lived experience in this area and who this youth could relate to as the part of that intervention. And so we thought this is something that is hopeful. There's previous evidence this might work. And let's try to you know, be as rigorous as possible. And that's why the randomization part was there to minimize bias and confounding. And so we were very fortunate to get national funding to um, do this study, the Canadian Institutes of Health Research. Dr. Carolyn Snyder was the um, very visionary, enthusiastic, strong leader of this initiative called the Emergency Department Violence um, Injury Prevention Program. And, um, and so we did this uh, study looking at whether this type of wraparound intervention would make a difference. Who screened for those risk factors? So there were certain flags that would identify a person potentially that would be eligible for the study. That then would alert the study team, and the study team would then screen that person in terms of whether they would be eligible for the study. If they were eligible to be entered in the study, they were then randomized either to um, a control group, which was you know a year, and then they would be offered the intervention to immediate intervention. And if you were immediate intervention, you then met with your case support unit worker actually in the emergency department, and they would then complete an assessment to look at those factors and look at the areas that needed to be worked upon and, you know, to start to develop a trust and a rapport with that individual so that even if at the first visit other things came up later on, they would start to understand that and uh, connect that youth to the supports they needed. So some things would happen at initial visit, but the support unit worker was available 24-7 uh, for that person. So, you know, if a crisis developed, you know, other issues could be develop, uh, identified and addressed later. And so, yeah, it was a pretty comprehensive intervention in that context. That's a lot for one person to do. <laughs> right. Well, I think it was, a you know, a team of people. Yeah, yeah exactly. And so it was like a case manager that kind right. of helped identify what their needs were right. and then was there for follow-up of right. those needs for one year time period? Yes, exactly. And what did you guys find? First of all, it's a pilot study, so there was nothing that was, you know, statistically significant. But what we did find was that um, their probability of representing to the emergency department was significantly lower in the intervention group as compared to the control group. So we did find that this intervention seemed to help, you know, get these youth on a trajectory that uh, lessened their risk of being, you know, future 
uh, victims of violence and um, through this multimodal uh, addressing of their um, risk factors or, you know, accentuating the, the strengths in their lives. And so it, it did seem like this. there's a lot of potential for this to be further examined in a larger study to see if these initial findings can be replicated and, um, and indeed are true. And did you guys continue that program afterwards? So the funding, you know, we had temporary um, federal funding, which then lapsed. And uh, so we had to wind down. But we were lobbying with our province, our health system, to fund this on an ongoing basis. It just so happens that um, in the last recent weeks, they have decided uh, that they will indeed reinstitute ongoing funding for this program. So this is phenomenal news in this context. And um, we just had a spike in violence within the Winnipeg context. So it was in the news. It was getting a lot of attention. And and I, I kind of sat back and watched this, these news stories evolve. And, I, and they were looking at all these different countries in the world, how they're dealing with it. And I thought, you have the solution in your backyard. We just did this study here in Winnipeg. So eventually the dots were connected and the uh, provincial government and the health system has indeed agreed to now institute funding. So we'll be ramping up the uh, program and we'll be getting it going and um, I think doing further rigorous evaluations to see if these very exciting findings can be replicated. Would you recommend other emergency departments implement similar programs? Do you feel like this is ready for prime time? I don't think it's ready for prime time because I say there's a pilot study and we did not prove significance. I think there's a lot of hope. I would encourage other emergency departments to engage in rigorous science to use these findings to replicate or uh, examine the effectiveness of this type of program within their own context. I love that Terry mentioned we can lead a really great trauma resuscitation or we can stop. And we can ask ourselves, why is this happening? Can we make an impact before we get to the resuscitation bay? Can we save lives not just with fancy machines and a pristine trauma team, but instead with meeting the kids where they are, giving them the resources that they need to succeed and the support that they need? We have risen to that challenge here at UC Davis, but what is your institution doing or what ideas do you have to improve violence prevention? Let us know at EM Pulse Podcast and join us next month as we continue to explore how violence intersects with the emergency department. We're going to talk about violence aimed at clinicians in the emergency department. So see you then. 